Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting startup founders share their stories and strategies. They also deliver tangible lessons learned along the way that you can apply to your own startup. Each episode is a true masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. Recording. This is Kevin Pro with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and my special guest today is Ryan Buick. Ryan, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Kevin. It's uh, it's interesting. We were chatting off camera just for a second. He said that his, uh, you said your mom lives lives in Alexandria, or yeah, she's from she's from there, from uh, that area. And then yeah, and then I grew up in San Francisco. So Alexandria is about what ninety miles north of where I'm sitting right now. But we were joking; it, it could take you an hour and a half or four days, depending on the traffic between Richmond, Virginia, and Washington D.C. But man, this show is not about traffic to D.C. This show is about Ryan Buick and Canvas app. But Ryan. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Like if you and I were at a networking event, how would you introduce yourself to me? Yeah, totally. So I am, uh, my name is Ryan Buick. I'm one of the co-founders of Canvas. At Canvas, we're building a no-code analytics platform for primarily for startups, uh, primarily business people who maybe don't know SQL, but they know spreadsheets and they need a way to get all the data that they need, be able to explore that data, build dashboards, share them with their team. Without you know needing to know SQL or without having to rely on technical uh, people for help, so we uh, launched in February of this year, uh, raised our seed round from Sequoia uh, last year, and uh, yeah, I live in San Francisco. I'm a product manager by trade. Uh, I grew up in the city, um, spent a time at a few startups, namely Flexport, uh, before starting Canvas. I think that covers the the basis. Covers the gamut. So, so often on, you know, people that I've interviewed on this show that they talk about the thing that they built was based on a pain point that they had personally. Would you say that was, that's still true kind of what you were facing or did you just say, Hey, I found a gap in the market. We can make this better. Let's do it. Yeah. So this was definitely a problem or a pain that I felt firsthand. And I think, you know, we're still building the product that I wanted when I was a PM at Flexport. So yeah, I can give a little background there. So I joined Flexport for, for your audience that doesn't know Flexport's a, essentially a, a freight forwarder, a tech-enabled freight forwarder. So uh, they use technology to disrupt this millennia-old industry of shipping your goods from China to the US and Europe, right? So any consumer brand needs to get their, get their goods from their factories or their suppliers' factories uh, in China and get it onto a boat or onto a plane, trucks, things like that. Flexport makes it really easy to track and pay for and uh, basically monitor your supply chain so that you spend less money and you know your supply chain runs more efficient, more efficiently. And I had joined as one of the first product managers in 2017, I think. And you know during the course of my three something years there, it was, you know, a couple hundred people, but 200 people by the time I joined and mm -hmm. almost 3,000, 3, I think right now. Wow. So it's gone through a pretty incredible uh, growth clip. And one of the problems when I showed up was, you know, before I sort of had this data handed to me as a product manager, right? Mm -hmm. You were able to, you know, go to some dashboards, maybe ask somebody for a report. And at Flexport at the time, we were too early. We didn't really have that function built out. And so I had to essentially say, okay, how am I going to justify the ROI in these different projects and different features that, that our team is going to, you know, want to prioritize and how can I monitor, you know, the usage of those features once we roll them out and, you know, how can I effectively make an objective case for the things that I want to do as a product manager? 
without having a, a dedicated data analyst. Right. I knew a little bit of SQL, but not a ton. And so I think I did something that's pretty rare, which is I, I just spent my nights and weekends. Uh, I did a boot camp. I learned how to do SQL, learned how to do you know data cleaning and, and modeling in Excel and all these different things. And you know I had a ton of anxiety, and that's what led me to do that. And there's you know ninety percent of most organizations, even in Silicon Valley, the, the business doesn't know SQL and doesn't know how to get data themselves. Mm. And so there's this hugely inefficient market, right? Where there's 10% of the organization that knows this language that can actually deliver, can query a database and deliver insights to the rest of the organization. And then the other 90%, they know how to use spreadsheets. They know Excel. And really they only have two, two paths to getting the data they need. They either have to rely on someone to give them a query, which they right. then export to CSV, or they go into all their different SaaS tools and they hit export to CSV. And, you know, I think sure, you're, you're generous with here. 90 10. I, I think it's probably more <laughs> like 99 1. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's definitely maybe a little generous. But so that's really the pain point, right? And I think this is something that's relatively new. You know, BI has been around for, you know, a couple of decades now at mm -hmm. this point. But we still, with all the advancements that we've made in data, right? 10 years ago, it's hard to get the data. Now there's too much data. And there's not enough people that know actually how to work with data right. independently and confidently. And so really that led us to, um, you know, while we were watching some rollouts of BI tools at Flexport, we were building an internal data tool and, you know, my co-founders and I, they're both engineers on, on my team at Flexport. We said, Hey, why don't we go and build a, a spreadsheet like interface that allows people to just use their spreadsheet skills, write formulas, do pivots, you know, create charts, things like that without SQL. Why don't we go and do that? And so we uh, decided to jump ship back in uh, basically end of 2020. So I imagine I'm based on on my understanding of COVID and, and like it, like international shipping and logistics, it just almost came grinded to a halt, you know, in like 20 what 2020. So I mean that was a great time to kind of transition <laughs> out of out of that role. But was was the original intent that you were going to build this? externally or was the original intent i i need this internally i'm going to build it and then as you built it you thought wait a minute there, there's actually a kind of a product market fit here yeah so we had built an internal application for like a pretty specific use case for like contract management mm -hmm. and it was really difficult to basically get all of it was really difficult to build a ui around the the use case mm -hmm. and the workflow and so what we ended up doing was basically a spreadsheet interface on top of all these different data sources. So like Salesforce and NetSuite and our, our data warehouse, things like that. And so combined with, you know, the success of that internal product, and then combined with the feeling that I had, which is like, Hey, I, I don't know a ton of SQL. So I'm going to go take this class. We are sort of looking at this problem area and saying, okay, why don't we actually go and try to do a spreadsheet interface or abstraction on top of SQL? You know, and uh, yeah, so that's that's really what led to to starting it, and it was it was pretty different. We didn't want to make like a specific you know contract management right. application. We wanted to just do this big horizontal play and really try to say like, hey, you know, the tableaus and the lookers have gotten really far and have done amazing things for data, but we still end up with essentially the status quo ten years ago, which is most of the business is still just exporting data into CSVs and having to update it with fresh data every Monday morning or you know, yep. uh, relying on a pretty messy patchwork of maybe you're lucky if you get a Python script to automate some data into a sheet, but most often you're just doing it manually. So 
that's uh, really the confluence of a few things that led us to start it. So that that, that kind of yeah, as a layman, you know, asking questions to a, to an, an expert here, I I uh, <laughs> the the thing that that seems to be the differentiator here is like, are these like APIs from all of these sources into this database, or is this like you know, how are you, I guess, getting the data from these different sources, kind of curating it in this one location and then, you know, making your dashboard? What's the, what's the, the magic? I mean, without you know, any IP that you're sharing here that you don't want yeah. to share, what's the, I guess, what's the overall process or general process that you had to build? Yeah. So I'll maybe break down what the current status quo is today of, of mm -hmm. data. And then I'll talk about what we're doing. Right. So the current status quo is really, you have a couple of different parts of a data stack or a couple of different parts of a data strategy. And it's, you know, I'm doing sort of, you know, tiers levels. On the first level, you basically have like your customer data collection platform, right? So this is like segment. If you've ever, you know, used that tool, you're basically collecting events from a bunch of different places. Mm -hmm. uh, on the next layer, you have all of your different SaaS tools. And you need a way to get all of your SaaS tools data into a data warehouse. And the reason why a data warehouse is important is because it allows you to actually centralize all your data in one place. Yeah. And then you can actually join different data sets across. So you can join your product data. You can join that segment data. You can join it with your Salesforce data. You can join it with your NetSuite or Stripe data, right? Assuming that it's all there. If it's not all in the same warehouse and you can't join it together mm -hmm. to form new insights. And so typically what you do is you have something like segment for collecting some data, you have your SAS tools, and then you usually get a tool like Fivetran or Stitch, and that's to extract and load and send that data into your warehouse. And then once it's in your warehouse, and those are all APIs, right? That are just right. streaming that data um, on a you know semi-daily basis, daily basis. And then once you get into your warehouse and you've probably heard of like Snowflake or Redshift, or BigQuery is Google's uh, data warehouse. Once you get in in there, then you're basically transforming that data, modeling that data, making mm -hmm. it easier to reason about. And the traditional BI tool sits on top of the data warehouse. And so it allows you know, uh, people that do NoSQL and maybe don't know SQL to access that data uh, in the warehouse. And so we offer, you know, just like other BI tools, we offer a front end to that data. Um, but we actually do something quite different than most BI tools, which is uh, we actually roll up that entire data stack that I just mentioned and offer it as a service. And so what we found is that a lot of early stage startups, they don't want to go through this whole, you know, they right. don't know how, and they don't yeah. want to go through this whole procurement journey of saying, I just want a dashboard. Why do I need to buy four different tools and have someone to maintain this tool or get a consultant to go mm -hmm. and implement it? and spend all this money just to get a handful of dashboards. Like, why is this still so hard? It feels like we have a, you know, we're, we're solving a, a headache with, you know, beheading, right? Um, <laughs> Not just startups. I'd say that there's a lot of, a lot of, yes, there's a, and there's, business yes. totally. And so it, it's, it seemed like this thinking of this modern data stack and I'm giving air quotes is, is really what it's called is mm -hmm. you, hey, you have, you have Snowflake, you have, five trend, you have a, a BI tool on top of that and you have DBT to model your data. It seems like that is definitely world-class, but not everyone needs necessarily to go and buy right. and do that world-class procurement themselves. And so what we do is actually we partnered with each one of those companies. So we partnered with five trend, we partnered with Snowflake 
and we partnered with DBT, which is a data modeling tool, and we offer that as a service. And so you can, as an early stage founder listening to this, you don't have to worry about you know going through that whole messy process of what I just explained. You can actually just sign up for Canvas. We connect through Fivetran over 100 different applications and databases. Uh, you can store that on a Snowflake database. You can transform data with DBT. And you get dashboards and metrics and templates just right out of the box because we're using, you know, we're taking all the learnings from all of our different customers and recycling those back into shareable models and templates. And so really it's a, a pretty great deal if you're an early stage startup and it's something that really you don't want to have to be responsible for is managing your own data pipelines and having to deal with data consultants and all that good stuff. And of course, when you yeah. are, if and when you're ready to get big enough, you can migrate off, right. uh, you know, different parts of the stack. And hopefully you'd like us enough as a front end by then to, to keep us around. Now, is that, do I decide what modules, do I decide what, what, you know, I guess facets of the dashboard I want to create, or is this, you know, kind of like plug and play? Is it, what's the, what's the, the model itself? Like if, if I decide, Hey, I want to use this, does it. I mean, is the dashboard kind of set and says, here's the eight things you need to measure as a, as a, as a business, or does it say, you know, I'm really concerned about these four things. Yeah. A lot of the tools out there today are essentially verticalized, you know, BI tools, right. Mm -hmm. Of the past, right. They've taken, they're doing analytics for Shopify or they're doing analytics for supply chain or they're doing right. analytics for, you know, specific industries and verticals. And, and they're often pretty pretty opinionated. Mm -hmm. And what you end up with is a hodgepodge of these vertical tools from team to team. And all of a sudden it's really hard to just like ask cross-cutting questions, yeah. which are often the best insights. Right. And so we've, we've been pretty explicit from day one about wanting to be a horizontal platform, knowing it's going to be a challenge, but uh, we are essentially, we call the canvas for a reason. It's a blank canvas mm -hmm. and you can take in any data that you want uh, you can see it in the form of a spreadsheet, which you can also write SQL to. Um, but you can take any data source. You can, you know, take any table, join it with another table, join it with another table from a different app, build a metric. You can automate a model that you have existing in Google Sheets today. You can do uh, really anything that that you want, and that's that's really our thesis: is that you know BI tools have been good about providing dashboards, and that's sort of been the right level of, you know, as a business person, I go to this dashboard once a week, check it. Yep. But what do I do when I have a dozen other questions each week? Where do I go to munch that data and get to an answer or prove a hypothesis? You're just doing it in spreadsheets, right? Mm. And so we haven't or guessing. really, isn't it? Or, or, or guessing, <laughs> which is often, you know, that's sadly how things are done because yep. of the, you know, I have a gut feeling that it. this is going to, I have a gut feeling we need to head in this direction. Yeah. It's good enough, right? Yep. And so, yeah, really, we we want to be the place for operators to go and explore data and 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 feel like they're at home, right? And feel like they can confidently and independently not just check metrics, but also answer pretty complex questions on their own. Yeah, is there is there an ideal business size? Is there an ideal? I mean, it's pretty. You indicated it is pretty industry agnostic, but is there a is there a, an ideal like you know you really do need to be at this level to to really make it worthwhile to really get the benefits of, of canvas, or is, is this like such a wide use case that, you know, Hey, we can, we're kind of a one-stop shop for just about anybody. Yeah. I would say it's very widely applicable. We have, you know, large 
startups using us. We have small startups using us. It definitely depends on, you know, your data maturity is, mm -hmm. is really the first thing yeah. that, that, you know, that's the first conversation that we need to have, right? Because a 500 person startup is already going to, they're already going to have their own data stack, right? Mm. Um, smaller, you know, 30 person series A startup is, might not have their own data stack. Right. And so, you know, we have provide different options uh, for those scenarios, but really, you know, anyone with ops in their title, uh, PMs, finance teams, uh, we're really seeing a, a, a pretty heavy variety of users that all have this same problem, which is, hey, we're running our business off of spreadsheets and it's air prone, it's slow, it takes us a long time to get our reporting together. They're all looking to do effectively the same thing, but with just with different data sources. Is there a... Um, um... Is there a learning curve to onboarding clients? I mean, do you does this virtually sell itself? Do people understand exactly what your what this product is and why they need it? Or are you going, you know, you think you are you have credible data, you think you're utilizing it in the in the best possible way, but let me show you kind of the but let me let me show you the matrix here that you that you've never seen, you know? Yeah. I, I wish it sold itself. No. <laughs> uh, it's a yeah, I, so there's there's a couple different things, right? So there's like I talked about with the data maturity and in your data culture, right? If if there's no, you know, there's no front end or service in the world that's going to make your data better. If the inputs are, you know, if you have garbage right. in, it's going to be garbage in, garbage out. That's right. Yeah. So so that's really, you know, we're we do try to be consultants. We offer you know some data modeling services mm -hmm. and things like that to help folks out, but. You know, there has to be a, a, some requirements in place that, hey, like you're you're taking this somewhat seriously, at least in your hygiene of your your different applications and your own product data, right? Uh, you you have bigger problems than insights yeah. if, if that's the case. And I would say, you know, if the data is in good shape, then, you know, you really have to figure out how to break the habits of of folks that want to use just Google Sheets or folks that want to use Excel, and you have to just prove value mm -hmm. and prove that you can do something that they those tools can't. And so that's really the first thing that we try to do is say, hey, either you couldn't get data from these three different sources together and we just did that for you and now that's a sticking point, right? Mm -hmm. Or you have this massive model in Google Sheets that you're, you have 20 tabs in the bottom with do not edit and, exactly. you know. <laughs> They're all And locked. then we go, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. With the password, so, it's my dog's name. <laughs> yes, yes. And like, you know, they, you know, it's like office space, so like holding, <laughs> holding on to it. Um, my stapler. That's right. The, the, then typically in that scenario, what we'll do is just migrate that sheet, that model to canvas and just rebuild it. And so it just runs automatically. Mm -hmm. And so you have to create these, you know, uh, real, you know, it's, you're solving a real problem for them. And if you can solve that problem and, you know, it's actually taking care of the, the real pains that they had, then they're more likely to say, okay, I'm going to learn this tool. And, I'm, you know, it's a little bit different than Excel and Google Sheets, not much, but, uh, you know, there's always that switching costs. So I, it's, it's interesting. The, uh, I love your office space reference, but the, the <clears throat> idea of, you know, when I, when I think of like business analytics and data, I think of really two distinct scenarios. One is when you have, data that you're trying to make like actionable decisions on some like real go through a real business process make good decisions 
that's the that's almost like the business analytical side of things where you you got to be data data analyst you got to know what you're looking at know what how you're you know you're comparing the the different and modeling like like you mentioned yeah. earlier or you've got that's the second scenario almost seems like you've got the c-suite guys that hey, we just wanted a snapshot of where we are because i need it for a board meeting yeah. you know it's it's like those two distinctly different needs there yes. you know can, does canvas meet those needs or is it really more geared toward that like the first scenario that i just kind of laid out yeah it's a really good question the what we're trying to do is simplify a lot of the first part mm -hmm. so we're trying to right now there's only a few folks in the organization that can model data <clears throat> using the tools that they have access to, which I think is actually a good thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I think if you had this many cooks in the kitchen doing that work, I don't think it would, it would go well. Mm -hmm. What we are trying to do though, is not add more owners to that process, but add more contributors to that process mm -hmm. where right now, if you're going through an organization organ a process of trying to model out your organization and model your business. It's not great that, you know, this one small team of analytics engineers or, or data analysts has to go out and survey the entire organization who has very limited context on what the data model is right. or what the data looks like or the shortcomings of the data. And so what we're trying to do is really not only make it easier for business people to access and explore and really get to know this data, which increases their literacy and their, you know, their, um, their understanding of the problem area. But eventually we also want to create a way for them to go and say, contribute to the data modeling mm -hmm. that's going on and say, Hey, I have something that I think that I've created. That's really valuable. Can you vet this and, and maybe put it back into our data warehouse? And that's a really powerful thing. If that starts to happen across the organization, because you have folks that are able to generate pretty incredible things in Excel and Google sheets, but they're, they can't live anywhere permanently in a database, right? They're just ephemeral. They're, you know, they're outside of the purview of the data team. And a lot of data teams are in fact, just like, Hey, if it's not in the warehouse, it's not our responsibility. Right. So it's up to you to make sure that's right. And so if we can actually create a, a chance to collaborate across these different teams, I think that's really powerful. And I think that's ultimately where this has to keep going to, you can't just keep having this incredibly inefficient market. Yeah. You can't for long because <laughs> I mean, you're going to run out of runway, but I, yeah. I can see also the benefits of, of, you know, just more context, um, you know, outside of just the little environment that, that, that particular spreadsheet lives in or whoever created that spreadsheet lives in I yeah. mean, how, just the cause and effect across the organization, you know, that, that you can really measure, you know, effectively, but, um, but I got one other question before we kind of shift into the, you know, the kind of our mentoring moment and really, really kind of get inside your head here. But the, the idea, how quickly can you be up and functionally running? Like if I, if my business says, Hey, yep, let's do it. Let's do it. Except, you know, October one, how, how quickly is this thing producing really, you know, um, usable data, effective data? Yeah. So and maybe there's a, a bit of advice in here as well, is we wanted to really stand out and try to be a in different in as many areas that we thought mattered from the competition and from the existing market, right? BI is a, a bloodbath of a space. There's a million different vendors. Mm -hmm. And something that we really wanted to focus on from day one was saying, hey, this needs to be a self-service experience. It needs to be a, a, a 
product that leads with itself and we will sell to people and try to upsell people that sign up for the product and not as much the other way around, mm -hmm. right? And because of that, we've made it really easy. So you can sign up without talking to us. You can connect your, you know, your SaaS tools or your data warehouse or whatever data source that you want um, in a handful of minutes and get started building. And that's really the most exciting kind of the thing that gets me out of bed every morning is like the reaction when you get from people watching them go through this flow for the first time. And they've said like, I've never seen my data like this before. Mm -hmm. I've never yep. been able to, to do this before. And that's so cool. So yeah, I would say if your data is in good shape, if you've taken care of your Salesforce, you know, hygiene and things like that and Stripe, um, you can build a dashboard in a few hours. This is a dumb from, question, but how Sony. do I know that? How do I how do know, know what, that? what he the health of my data is? I'm assuming it's good, you know? Yeah. I think, <clears throat> I mean, the first one that I always look for is like, do you have duplicates in your data? Like, mm -hmm. have you, you know, if it has, who's been the Salesforce admin and how many fields are, you know, <laughs> malfunctioning, exactly. right? <laughs> How many little uh, asterisks do you get in all <laughs> your spreadsheet fields? Yeah, I mean, you yeah. can export data from Salesforce. Like, I would say you'd have a, good, a decent chance of, of seeing what that looks like. Other than that, like seeing, you know, one like clear, obvious tells are like, you know, date fields that are, are strings, mm -hmm. right? Or, um, you know, values, new, you know, integers in, in your database that are actually strings, right? Things like that no. that are right off the bat that are like, or just okay. data completely out of whack, like, yeah. like results just completely like there's no possible way we generated 14 million in revenue in February, you know, that type of, thing. yeah. That's, that's yeah. another one is you have conflicting, you get conflicting narratives from different teams, right? right. Uh, that's usually the first like major sign that you need to start getting your data in order is no one can actually First of all, as a, as a CEO, how long does it take to get an answer back? And if you ask an UAB test two different orgs or two different people, and the numbers are off by a factor of whatever, then you probably need to figure out what's going on and 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 try to clean that up. Time to call the data doctor. We need to bring <laughs> him in for a house a home visit here. So, man, yeah. man, this is this is really good. I I uh, really appreciate you taking the time today. But I, as we kind of yeah. wrap up today, I just I really <laughs> wanted to just kind of get inside the the mind of a CEO here and somebody that's kind of walked the path for a few years uh, ahead of a lot of our listeners. And what are what are just one or two really salient you know, points that, uh, that you just leave us with just kind of one-liners and in, in context that say, you know, I wish I'd have known this really when we launched, you know, um, canvas app here, we I really, really would have, would have made a difference in how we let our team, how we generated revenue, how we marketed better anything. I mean, this is, this is your time. So just, you know, kind of take the mic for a couple of minutes. Yeah. Man. How long do you have? Uh, <laughs> so I think I think the, the one first... or two biggies. <laughs> yeah, right. not I the think, fifteen think... you thought did yesterday. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the first the first thing, and this is actually one of our values, is just do it now. There were so many instances early on where we overthought something, or thought that it had to be perfect, mm. or thought that we had to consult a few people, and we found that if we just took the call and we just did something in the moment 
that it almost, you know, it's, it's gone pretty well for us so far. I would say like getting rid of that anxiety is huge. Um, cause it's, it's, a, it's almost like a form of imposter syndrome, right? Mm, it's like, yeah. you're, you're not ready. And I, I think the only way that you're going to get analysis paralysis, just, that's right. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, jump, like get in, get into it, jump into the fire. Mm-hmm. If, you know, something bad happens, then at least it's a, a most people are, are willing to, you know, give you time or a second chance to, to go recoup. Yeah. And then I think the other thing is <clears throat> just writing about your problem area, writing about the, you know, the, the, the people that you're talking with, um, writing about the research that you've done, writing about, you know, your product and writing about just the space in general, of whatever you're in, it's incredible what you put out into the, you know, the internet and just watch what comes back. I think we, you know, we shied away from content for a while and are, at least I regret it um, because when we started doing it, you know, a couple of months back is just pretty incredible. The number of conversations and the number of, of people that are genuinely passionate and interested and have connections that they'll come in and bring you to. And there's just so many good things that can happen from externally to you from writing down your thoughts, but also internally. And it helps you just think a lot more clearly about the business and the problem that you're solving and your strategy and all Mm. those different things. And I don't think it's something that we do enough in the early stage where everything is just go, 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 move fast, break things, as I mentioned. Um, And so if you can take some time to sit down and just write about a problem that you're thinking about and put it out there, it's good for you and good things will happen to you. Man, I I love those because they're so interconnected. You know, it's like get the product out there, get your story out there. Yeah. I mean, it really is just very succinct and, and, but yet is, is so broadly in, encompassing, you know, of, of what you're doing. And, and I love that. You know, that's, I, I've heard a lot about, you know, don't wait, launch. Reed Hoffman says, if, you know, you, if you're not embarrassed by your first, you know, product, yep. you waited too long type thing, but the whole idea of that, that's happened. I've heard that over and over again, this, you know, do it, don't wait, but, that, yep. but rarely do we hear about don't hesitate to tell your story don't wait to tell your story don't wait to generate content around what you're doing and i mean what a great point i mean that that is something that uh you know we just don't even it's it's almost like an afterthought you know type thing and it's like i'll do that if i have time from my main thing you know and and it's and there's i talk to a lot of other founders that have this like anxiety about you know putting it out there too early because they think people are going to copy it or mm-hmm. like people are going to steal your idea it's like it's never been about the idea there's a you know there's a handful of companies in the history of the valley that it's been about the idea it's most often just maniacal execution and having yeah. the originality in the first place like if they're going to copy you good luck if they're going to copy your next thousand ten thousand moves you know and so <laughs> that just seems like it should be very low on the priority list to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ryan, thank you, man, for, for just taking time today to, to chat on uh, opposite ends of the coast here. We, uh, <laughs> we got the whole U S covered here under, under the, the umbrella of rising tide startups, but man, I just thank you again. I, it'll be really interesting to kind of watch the growth pattern and the, the upward and right hockey stick of, of canvas over the next, you know, two or three years and uh, then we'll have you back and, and to, could, so how did you spend your first million you know that type of thing so but man thank you again. i hope so man yeah thank, <laughs> thank you so much kevin this is fun man
I appreciate you taking time and, and really just doing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Ryan, have a great weekend. Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.